Thanks for joining us for this special Friday edition of Main Thing Radio with Pastor Robert Fountain and his wife Elizabeth. We have yet to see what we each will do with this information. So we are not passive spectators, we are interacting with it. Does that make sense? So as we open there to Jeremiah 37, think about yourself. In this situation like they were, they have been warned of disaster coming. They know it's coming. They may choose to disbelieve it, but it is coming. When was the last time you faced something like that, that was breathing down your neck, a threat, and you had a choice? What do I do with this? What did you do? Our faithfulness to God is something that nobody can take from us, but we can easily give it up out of fear, the fear of man. Pastor Robert and Elizabeth explain how fear has affected the choices man has made throughout the Bible. We've been given a choice to either fear God or fear man. The decision remains with us. Stick around after today's message from Pastor Robert and Elizabeth. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you. Our web address, podcast subscription information, and our contact information. But first, here's Pastor Robert and Elizabeth in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 37, verse 1, with their continuing study entitled, Whom Do You Fear? If you look at him as a movie character, he's like a father who's watching his, his daughter go way off, knowing better and having a home to return to, but just choosing not to. That's the heart of the father in this. And Judah is where we are today. Um, Judah and Israel were divided. And much like America today, Judah was that virgin daughter that was going astray. She was very similar to us, having warning after warning. You are heading straight into disaster. And it's coming. Disaster is coming. So what, what Judah was doing was everything we see today, they were doing that. Every occult practice the people of God was doing and every perversity that could come into their mind through those occult practices, it wasn't even, there was not even any shame. There wasn't even any conviction. It was just happening. And then Babylon, as a character, is called the Chaldeans or Chaldeans many times in the Bible. Same people as the Babylon led by King Nebuchadnezzar. And in this season of Israel's history, they represent God's discipline. And hopefully you'll see why. It's something like we just saw. God's like, I have ordained that their adversaries surround them and come against them. It's his plan. So they serve God even though they're a pagan nation. And then two more characters. The prophet Jeremiah, who writes this, and who also is an actor in this, he was set apart before birth to be a prophet to a nation who wouldn't listen. Isn't that fascinating? But it says here in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. His success was not in the result of whether or not the nation listened. His success was in whether or not he fulfilled his calling. And that gives me hope in these times that are so similar. My faithfulness to God is not depending on people's responses, it's depending on my faithfulness. It's completely independent of what people do with it. My faithfulness, no one can rob from me. They can't subtract it from me, only I can do that. Does that make sense? And Jeremiah is a prime example of that. And finally, where we pick up, okay, two more scriptures. There is, so Jeremiah will be one character and his opposite, the foil of him, his opposite is King Zedekiah. And that's, you will see the description of him as we pick up. But there's the one last character, maybe the most important tonight besides God, is you. Because how you react to this, how you interact with what you're hearing, is this is already written. 
But what you do with what you hear is not written yet. God knows. But we have yet to see what we each will do with this information. So we are not passive spectators, we are interacting with it. Does that make sense? So as we open there to Jeremiah 37, think about yourself. In the situation like they were, they have been warned of disaster coming. They know it's coming. They may choose to disbelieve it, but it is coming. When was the last time you faced something like that, that was breathing down your neck, a threat, and you had a choice? What do I do with this? What did you do last time? What is your knee-jerk or go-to reaction when something is threatening you on anything and everything you love? What do you do? Sort of hold on to that, because whatever you did last, Maybe it was exactly what he wants you to do next time. Maybe he wants you to reset and prepare your response so that when it happens, you're not just reacting out of fear, you're reacting out of faith. That's the goal of this whole study tonight. So, so Jeremiah 37, verse 1. Now King Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, reigned instead of Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah. But... Neither he nor his servants nor the people of the land gave heed to the words of the Lord which he spoke by the prophet Jeremiah. And Zedekiah the king sent Jehuko, I can't pronounce his name, son of Shelemiah, and Zephaniah the son of Maaseiah the priest to the prophet Jeremiah saying, pray now to the Lord our God for us. So what is that, what is that saying? Neither the king nor the people were paying any attention to what God was saying through the prophet, but then they send for the prophet and say, would you pray for us? I mean, does anybody else see a contradiction in that whole picture? You know, the, I saw a, a quote by Corey <coughs> Ten Boom yeah. that grabbed my attention uh, the other day. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Because that's what they were doing, right? They were treating, they were treating God almost like a spare tire. Treating prayer like well, like we do sometimes. You know, like we, I mean, we can't do anything else but as well pray. <laughs> but see, if that's your attitude, is God really interested in, in listening? I think a lot of times the answer is no. You know, we, we ignore God, and yet we ask for his help and his blessing. But see, he's given us help. He's given us principles in his word for blessing. And he, a lot of times, we're crying out, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, you have to help me. And, and, and his response is, I did. Read the book. Oh, God, I need answers. I need, I, I gave them to you. They're, they're in the book. But Lord, I don't know what to do. I told you, it's in the book. It's in the book. We have to read the book. It's amazing to me how often in like pastoral counseling situations, people come with questions and they're like, but don't, but don't, don't come to me with Bible stuff because I'm not really into that. I need real help. I need real help, yeah. yeah. It's like, but that is the real help. That is the real, that's, that's the very word of God. And yet we, we neglect it. We, if we want his help, we have to listen and then apply the things that he's already said. And that's what we're dealing with here in, in Jeremiah. But even though it's amazing, I mean, we, I, I tend to think, as we'll see Zedekiah play out his character through these verses, but even when, even when there's just a sliver of interest, okay, I don't want to hear anything you're saying, but say it anyway. Even that little bit, it seems like God's like, okay, if there's an opening, he will take it. 
He is that merciful. He sees even past our own most hard-headed arguments because he knows that if behind it there's anything starving for any ounce of truth, he will give it. He is that faithful. He is that faithful. It's a scary thing to play with it and wonder at what point does he give us over to our choices. But Zedekiah, God answered him. You will see that repeatedly through tonight. So in Jeremiah 37, beginning in verse 6, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Thus you shall say to the king of Judah, who sent you to me to inquire of me, Behold, Pharaoh's army, which has come up to help you to eat, will return to Egypt to their own land. So here's the scenario. Egypt really doesn't, in these chapters, play any other role than this. It's a temptation for Israel to seek help in Egypt. It has forever been a temptation for Israel to go back to Egypt. Oh, we had it so great back in Egypt. Repeatedly, they go back to Egypt for help when God is asking them not to. So in this case, Egypt is supposedly coming to help Judah against Babylon, and God says, I'm sending Egypt home. You're going to face my discipline without human help, is what he's saying here. I'm going to send Egypt home, and the Chaldeans shall come back, the Babylonians, and fight against this city and take it and burn it with fire. Thus says the Lord, do not deceive yourselves, saying the Chaldeans will surely depart for us, for they will not depart. For though you had defeated the whole army of the Chaldeans who fight against you, and there remained only wounded men among them, they would rise up, every man in his tent, and burn the city with fire. So I mean, there's so much in here. So we're trying to stay with the subject at hand. But one of the things is, when there is a real threat breathing down, a lot of false prophets to say, peace, peace, there's no danger, it's all fine. And God is like, they can say what they want, it will still happen. My will will stand. But why would he? Why would he treat his own people like that? Even if you only have crippled Babylonians to fight against, they would still beat you. Why would God do that to his own people? His beloved virgin daughter. He's not doing it randomly. He's not doing it randomly. I remember when, when our son spoke a few weeks ago, he was saying the discipline of God is measured and, and perfect for, for what we need. If we run away from him and it's not his discipline and we simply have the consequences of our sin, it's not measured and it's only disaster. Does that make sense? God is deliberately applying this very specific discipline to Judah after warning, after warning, after warning. And eventually when Babylonians took them, it was exactly 70 years to the date. When the punishment was up, it was up. The timeout lasted exactly as long as God wanted it to. And then they helped rebuild Jerusalem afterwards. So his, what looks as just random evil, when an unbeliever reads the word, especially the Old Testament, they often pull this out. Why would God do that? But it's discipline that's measured with the intent to win the people's heart back. It's for their eternal lives that they have these temporary hardships. He said in Ezekiel 9.9, the iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is very, very great. And the land is filled with blood and the city is full of perversion. For, because they say, the Lord has forsaken the land and the Lord doesn't see. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of Main Thing Radio with Pastor Robert Fountain and his wife, Elizabeth. Each Friday here on Main Thing Radio, Pastor Robert and Elizabeth will be tackling various issues that we face as Christians from a husband and wife perspective. Be sure to join us each Friday for these insightful messages from Pastor Robert and Elizabeth. For more information about Main Thing Radio, Pastor Robert, Elizabeth, and Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach, log on to MainThingRadio.com. 
That's MainThingRadio.com. At our website, you'll find today's broadcast for you to listen to or download. We also encourage you to prayerfully consider financially supporting Main Thing Radio. With a gift of any amount, we will send you an MP3 CD of this message. A secure option for you to give has been provided via PayPal. That's all available at www.mainthingradio.com. We'd also like to encourage you to follow us on Twitter. A link to subscribe to our Twitter feed is available at mainthingradio.com. Again, thanks so much for joining us today. Remember to join us on Monday as Pastor Robert will continue teaching verse by verse through the Word of God. That's next time on Main Thing Radio. Hey.